0: You are listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by Birmingham Live. Hello, welcome back to the Claret and Blue podcast. My name is Dan Rowlinson. I'm joined this evening by Matt Kendrick. Matt, how are you, mate? You okay? Hi well, Dan, yeah, just thawing out. <laughs> yeah, you look we really cold, especially on this camera.
1: Yeah, it is a bit of, uh, no, I'm alright. How are you? Yeah, not bad.
0: I've got hat hair, so I do excuse if there's any fluffy bits. So I don't usually wear a woolly hats. I always thought I've got a massive head, but the the said you should wear a because it's cold, so I've got a hat with me. Um good evening to everybody watching. Thank you very much for tuning into the Client Blue Podcast. Um, but before we get into the match action, oh, hit my mic. Let's talk about the uh the sixth minute applause for, for, for little Arthur. Um very special moment that wasn't it, across Villa Park with people's phone lights and stuff. It, it was an emotional little moment. And um, just wanna pay our respects, don't we, first of all, before we get into the, the football chat.
1: Yeah, I thought it was really, really beautiful, poignant moment. Kind of, you know, lumping the throat, kind of tearing mm. the eye thing. It's such a, a shocking, horrible, kind of evil story. And poor little lad. Um, I thought, I think it's not just Villa, is it? You know, it's, it's happened up and down the country in terms of how, yeah. how clubs have rallied round to, to pay their respects. And it's just, you know, it's just heartbreaking that little boy wasn't showing that love. You know, during his life, so you know, God, God bless him. I thought, I thought, you know, Villa, Villa and Leicester. You know, it, it, it genuinely, you know, when there was a chance of, you know, we love you, we love you, Arthur, and the, you could look around the ground and see the the phone lights lighting up. It was, it was a, a beautiful moment. Um, yeah, like I said, just God rest his soul, bless the little fella.
0: Yeah, hundred um, percent. On to football matters then: Aston Villa two, Leicester City one. And what was probably earmarked as quite a difficult game for Gerard in this run of fixtures, starting with, oh, to be fair, none of them have been particularly easy. Brighton at home, we have played well. Palace away, pretty difficult. Man City, Leicester today, looking ahead to Liverpool, Norwich return for for Dean Smith. You know, it's not been an easy start for Gerard. That's nine points out of twelve now, and I know, a lot of people would have you know written off the Man City game to go. Well, it's Man City they're in a league of their own. You don't, don't expect too much there. But you know, played well, particularly in that second half. But without sounding you know at risk of getting over. Over the top. It's been a pretty perfect start, hasn't it, for Gerard really? Nine points in the in the other three games that you that are targeting for wins. He's he's done very very well there today.
1: It's remarkable, really. You know, nine points out of those four games would have been good at any stage of any season. Mm. I think when you factor in the context of it that it's come on the back of five defeats and Stephen Gerard you know, he's not, not been able to, to flood the team with lots of new signings, he's not been able to flood the team with lots of injured players who are suddenly fully fit again, with the exception of Morgan S- Sanson, who <laughs> seems to be alive and well again now. Um I think it's I think it's it's remarkable really and I think that the the interesting thing for me is yes we're doing things differently. I don't think we're doing things that differently. I think he's just making Villa, the Villa is inherited the absolute best of what they can be, mm. um, which, you know, we. I was one of the ones who, who thought Villa pulled the trigger too soon on, on Dean Smith and then thought perhaps a little bit seduced by the the big name, Steven Gerrard. Um, I know we're a month in, albeit a, a manager of the month, contender month, um, <laughs> yeah. but today was a big test for me because, I found myself turning up at Villa Park quite optimistic. which mm-hmm. Where's that come from? Because I always, you know, I'm a, na- you. I'm a natural born pessimist and I always <laughs> expect the worst because then you can only be pleasantly surprised. But I've turned up to Villa Park thinking, you know, I know Leicester aren't, you know, the the top four challengers that they've been in recent seasons, but I thought we could, we, we could beat Leicester today. And I actually think after a couple of scares... In the first half, when um you know Harvey Barnes seems to have uh, found quite a lot of space down that left flank, I thought we fully dominated the, the mm-hmm. second half We um won by five or six goals, and that to me is is a is a remarkable turnaround from 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 what we had a month ago.
0: Yeah, I've set. I always set up these streams earlier in the in the match day. And I just put you know post match Villa versus Leicester. I will fill in the blanks afterwards. Obviously after the game, I did used to put in a, a you know pretend score line, but I've thought I'm, I'm jinxing it here. Putting a Villa win or whatever. And I was typing out two one Aston Villa, and I just thought I could easily been writing three one here four one. Like, Villa made a lot of chances, and you know you just said there about Villa Joe get, uh, getting the best out of this Villa squad, and. It's, it's like nearly moments isn't it there's always that chance where it's one final ball away or one little decision from being thrown goal again and you know it is still early days but I saw a tweet from, from Danny who I think watches the, watches the podcast she said fully and utterly head over heels 100% won over and committed to Stephen Gerrard leading us into Europe and I tweeted it on the way back on the train. I said why didn't I tweet this like I'm full on fully on the on the Gerrard mania reading his book and watching every single interview and you know, you kind of said, "Yes, it's nice for him to say nice things about Aston Villa being a big club in press conferences and carrying himself well." But you've got to back it up by being a good manager and getting results. and And nine points out of these twelve twelve available from from those four games. Like I said, "Yes, you've you've lost to get to, to Man City, but you know, who isn't who isn't going to do that?" That's pretty much the perfect start for me for for Gerard.
1: Yeah, I think I, I, I perhaps expected him to be a bit more of a, a bit of a cliche machine. You know, in press conferences and the, and the way he spoke, but. He's always, you know, he's always so considered and thoughtful, and 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 knows knows what he sounds stupid. Knows what he thinks, and and has an idea of. I don't know. I I think sometimes that managers can just, like I said, resort to cliches. But I think I think with with Gerard, you can understand why players would listen to him because I read something. I think I said this on a podcast previously. I read something. in about earlier earlier in his coaching career when there was something said that he doesn't speak much at the training ground, on, on the training pitches, unless he absolutely has to. Because uh, mm. he doesn't want people to get tired of his voice, uh, unlike me and you. <laughs> and I can get that. I can get, get the sense that he's economical with his words because he, he, he places so much trust in his players. Why should he overcomplicate the message? Yeah. Just... You know, keep, keeping it simple seems seems to work, and I, I don't want to get too excited because I, uh, you know, the, there's going to be leaner times, isn't there? There's going to be there's going to be struggles. There's going to be times where Villa don't play well. Uh, there's going to be times where VAR stitches us up and we lose the game. Um, yeah, almost happened but, today. We'll come on to that. Yeah, we, we we will come come on to that in shortly. But so far, so good for me. Um, and I think what I can see from the players in what he has changed and. Um, it frustrates me sometimes when we lose the ball in in certain areas. They seem braver on the mm. ball. They seem, yep. they seem more prepared to to take chances. I don't mean take chances. They could have they had about 300 chances that they failed to take today. But do you know what I mean? They just seem in possession. They trust each other and they will mm. trust each other in tight spaces.
0: Yeah, one of the first things I noticed after maybe his first or second game, I think I said after a post-match podcast, even like just like 50-50 balls and stuff, it seemed like we were, you know, in those little battles and in those fights a little bit more and seemed to want it more. And, you know, we've said all along, haven't we, when you've got someone like Gerald on the touchline who keeps saying things like he wants to make himself visible, visible on the touchline for his players and he's kicking every ball. You know, you've got to give you know if the manager's doing it on the sideline, you've got to be doing it on the pitch as a player. You know, Matty Cash flying in for, for balls to for taking players out and stuff. Little moments like that that gets the crowd up, gets you know, breaks up the play. It's just clever, smart little little moments, isn't it? Um, passing as well, massively improved. I don't know how that's been done so quickly. Little triangles of passing, much crisper, much shorter passing. I don't know how you change that so quickly. Um, this, you know, the odd occasion we go along and you're pumping it up to Ali Watkins and it flies over his head and you kind of think, "Oh, what are we doing?" But you know, you've got to vary it up, I suppose. But thoroughly impressed with Gerald so far, and that was a, that was a good win today. There's no, you know, like you said at the start, Leicester aren't that, that top six, top four club at the moment. It's still a great squad. Roger's still done a great job there over the years. So that's that's no easy game today to beat Leicester.
1: Well, no, you know Jamie Vardy's come on, and we're all we're all thinking, oh no, we know how, we know how this this story ends. We we've seen this script unravel in the past. I don't think he touched the ball.
0: No, I don't think in um, Nacho as well. He came. on I was like, oh, I've got a feeling he always scores against us. Or, he, you know he's good for a late goal for Leicester. Again, not really not really done a fat lot to be honest. I never really felt massively threatened by Leicester going forward.
1: Um, I love not plays. in the second half, I mean, with the exception yeah. of the worldy that the, the, the worldy save that Martinez has pulled, yes. pulled off to deny my yeah. Barnes, I don't think they had the ball in, in, in too many dangerous areas for us. And you know, it, it just I think it's testament to Gerrard's in game management that, that Villa seem to be more in control of their own destiny. Um you know this could all change if we get spanked 8 0 at um, Anfield next week, but you know, let's enjoy it while it lasts.
0: <laughs> what do you think he says at half time? Because we always come out second half looking better. Is that a reset tactically? Is that telling them to to tweak this and try that or is that a motivational come on lad, sort yourself out kind of thing? Not to say that we need sorting out from a bad first half, but the second half tends to have been better so far.
1: Yeah, I mean hopefully you said stamp on Casper Schmeichel's fingers. <laughs> Um, <laughs> half time this time, I mean, he, he, in fairness, he's probably used that as a kind of uh, as an incentive to say, Listen, you know, we've got 12 against us here. Um, mm. should we should we deal with that? Because it's yeah, still, let's still let's talk about
0: it. It. Yeah, kind of uh, skirted over it, but you know, we've got nine well, ten minutes in before we mention VAR, Michael Oliver, um, and Cashwell Sparkle.
1: What was that? Sorry, Michael Oliver.
0: Oh no! Good, yeah, I like that. Um, yeah, that's good. That is, I'll put that in the title. Um, I forgot what I was going to say. Oh yes, I thought like that moment kind of galvanised the the squad and the the fans together a little bit. Not that it, it needed that, but the atmosphere in the second half was better. You know, the chance that uh, Anti Schmichael and Anti michael Ivo will, will uh, let people obviously know what know what those things were. It just you know, is, it, like, is that wasn't it? Us versus them mentality. We're all in this together. Go out there and and right the wrongs of that that decision. Um, we're going to have to talk about the rules. I've got them up in front of me in a second, but talk about the, the moment we were both there. I saw nothing wrong with that goal in real time. I didn't know what the hell was
1: going on. I think I've watched it back a few times and you have to slow it down really, really slow to make it look anything like um, an issue. And and even then, you know, I think you you probably know the rules better than me, but I think it used to be two hands on the ball, but I think it's now I've reworded it slightly, have they, to say that, that you know, under the goalkeeper's control, um, there's no way he, he, he controlled that. He got one fingernail on the ball that was moving at speed. Um, I just thought it was a. I thought it was a. I actually, think Schmeichel's played the ref there. To be honest, well, he wasn't uh, injured, was he? For a start, he uh, played out, the system. The he thought, "Oh, I'm gone. Let's see what I can do here." Yeah. I don't think there'd been any thought about checking that. Or Michael Oliver certainly didn't didn't have any issue with it. Initially, and it was a long one as
0: well. You know, we were pretty much ready to kick off again by the time it was even that they were checking through it. Um, he wasn't injured, let's get that straight out of the way. I have seen his post match interview saying his thumb's still numb and it might need an x ray and all this kind of nonsense. I don't buy any of that. He knew that if he stayed down a little bit, you know, that causes a bit of a fuss and maybe you know, that'll pressure him to look into it or whatever. Um, I seem to remember talking about Schmeichel on one of these before, and he was time-wasting in a a game we played against them before. I don't know whether I've totally imagined that, but I've got a thing against Schmeichel now, especially after today. And there'll probably be Leicester fans that stumble upon this going, oh, well, he does some great charity work. Or forget all that, if that's even true. Not a fan of him tonight. Um, I tweeted about it saying, you know, how's he in control of the ball? He's only got one hand on it. And I've been sent replies, and the rules are apparently, and I'm reading this out, and I'm not even sure I fully understand the wording, It says, if the ball is between the hands or between the hand and any surface, for example, the ground or own body, so one hand between the ball and the ground, or by touching it with any part of the hands or arms, except if the ball rebounds from the goalkeeper or the goalkeeper has made a save. So my understanding of that is that Schmeichel saved it, hasn't he? I think, you know, from the initial cross through or whatever. He's palmed it out and then put a hand on it. So my understanding of those rules is he has saved it, so he's not in control of the ball, even though he has got a hand on it. That's how I see it, and I, I don't know how much of a hand he's got on it, whether it's just a finger, like, what is the context of that rule? Is one finger on the edge of the ball enough for it to be in control, or is the whole palm got to be on it? Like How how like minute do we get with the details of what the context behind the rules are? I mean, the wording of the rules is probably more so the issue than VAR and the referee here, but I think if Mike Oliver is our best referee in England, apparently, and we've got video replays to help the referees get things right, I don't know how that is given, and maybe that is a problem with the rules more so than VAR. But for me, that's a perfectly good goal. If he's got a, a, you know the ball on the hand and it's cut under his arm or close to his chest, and and Ramsey goes in and kicks into him and the ball goes in that way, I'd say, oh yeah, you, know, you can't you can't kick the ball out of the ref's, uh, ref. Ref might as well have been the ref out of the goalkeeper's hands. You say fair enough, but. I I don't count that as the goalkeeper having control of the ball personally. But fortunately it doesn't matter, does it?
1: No, it doesn't matter, but it, it's still it, it'll come, you know, there'll be an occasion where it does matter and it's just again, you know, VAR originally the, the big buzzword was, was clear and obvious error. Now did the referee make a clear and obvious error the first time round? No, because that moment, as it appears to the referee's eye in real time, it was a loose ball that the, the goalkeeper who probably should have dealt better with the first initial yeah initial moment was scrambling to try and make up for it. So, you know, as, has Jacob Ramsey actually committed a foul there?
0: Well, I've, like I said, I've only seen it, I've seen a, a, a still screenshot of uh, Schmeichel's hand on the ball and Ramsey going in to kick it. And I've obviously seen it once in, in person from however far away. So I was just seeing Ramsey kick the ball i have not even seen him collide with the keeper. It's not like he's gone through and followed through and yeah. kicked him in the back of the head or anything like that. That yeah. would you say, well, that's a foul. I just don't know how that how that's given. And then the weight between it. It's also, I think, from memory, the first time we've seen the replay at Villa Park after this decision yeah, was given. They
1: normally, they normally keep that hidden, don't they? I did enjoy that bit. To be when honest. it happens
0: in real time, they kind of cut away from anything contentious, don't they? And we said recently, like, why did they do that? And I say, I think it's to you know stop the crowd getting getting to. Um, I guess, which is what happened when that was played and, you know, causing a bit of a a scene. Um, But then it was all given, yeah, ruled out, VAR complete. And then they showed the replay, which I thought was weird. And it was massive boos and all the players pointing and looking up, look at the screen. And yeah, that's just bizarre. I don't really want to spend too much time on it as we approach six minutes of this chat specifically, because it's a game that we've gone to win anyway. But if that's the standard of refereeing in this country, once again, it's shambolic, isn't it?
1: I thought he was poor throughout the game. Yeah, yeah. To agreed. be honest, I thought they committed a lot of niggly fouls, and you know, didn't did he book did he book any of theirs at all? I think there was one sure booking.
0: Did it. I think I like, um, somebody pulled back. It was right near the end. Madison. Oh right. no,
1: Madison chopped down um, Carney, didn't he? Yeah. Um, which was a cynical foul. To be honest, it was a really yeah. cynical foul. But yeah, I thought I thought he was he was he was poor throughout. I do agree with you that he probably did galvanise. Galvanise the, the crowd a little bit. I thought it was going to come back to haunt us, you know, that, that yeah. goal, even when we got this this got the lead. Also, I was missing chances
0: as well, having loads of chances, and you think, you know what's going to happen here, Vardy equalises in the 90th minute. That's yeah. it's written all over this game, isn't it? So the fact we've seen it out, despite you know having to face the ref as well. Um, also, off the top of my head, I've not checked it, I don't know whether you know the answer. Last time we won from behind? Do you know? Does anyone know in the comments, by the way? We are live at the yeah. moment. Does anyone know the last cool. time we won? Going, going behind first. Again, a little bit of resilience to to go down early. We equalised you know, pretty sharpish. I don't know what the specific times were, but it was pretty soon after. And then, you know, should have gone 2-1 up at half time, which is, like I always say is a great time to score. I did tweet that and someone said, why is it a good time to score? Surely any time of the game is a good time to score. But It's just a good cliche, isn't it? It's a great time to score at half time or just after. Um, but then to go on to win and show that resilience and that little bit of fight back is, is what you want to see from your side, isn't it? Show some fight
1: yeah i loved having an enemy to a collective enemy for us all to yeah. um econ as well Um uh, i'm always complaining there's not enough new chants at villa park so i, I wish we could sing this michael one every week to be honest <laughs> whether he's there or not um and i think it just, like you said, it just really, really kind of galvanised and, and, and got us all together collectively. I thought Villa was was so, so good. I thought, I mean, there's been there's been a little bit of debate whether it was Nakamba should be man of the match, whether it should be Konza. Mm. Uh, McGinn was my man of the match today. I so. just thought he was, I thought he was awesome. I thought he was, you know, the, for somebody so energetic and relentless, He's very clever about when to slow the game down. Mm-hmm. You know, his range of passing seems to be vast. You know, he can he can tuck in little balls behind defenses, he can switch the play 50 yards. I just thought he was is the is the John McGinn who we know, who we know and love. And I think he's set his standard now. And whether that's whether that's down to Stephen Gerrard working his magic early, whether that's John McGinn just now thinking that he's probably one of the the main leaders in that dressing room and he he needs to keep that level of performance i don't know but it's a shame that he wasn't on the end of some of the chances he created to be yeah. honest because he would like I say he was threading nice little balls here there and everywhere and you know for for Watkins and i don't know whether he was the one who played the one in i can't remember who played the ball in to um to Ramsey when when he blazed it when he blazed it over but I just thought he was he was really, really impressive today.
0: Yeah, I think that's, again, it's off the top of my head. We always say, don't we, these post-match debriefs or whatever these ones are called, they're, you know, they're raw. I've not done any research. I've only been back in the house 20 minutes. That feels like John McGinn's best performance for us, maybe. Like, I know he's not contributing in terms of a goal or an assist, but he absolutely ran the midfield. Set the Did
1: he not, not take the corner for Conter's gone?
0: Uh, again... Without checking our oh, own oh know off the top of my head. Somebody in the comments will correct us because they definitely would have seen it back since. He might have done. But even that run at the end... Uh, he was he fouled early on, but he chinkled past a few people. But, I don't um, think he committed a foul out. in that. You know? I, I didn't think that first one was a foul either. And then he won the ball off the second one, which was perfectly fine. And the ref blew his whistle, but he still went round, went round Um, Schmarco. I think it went over the line just as well by the by the reaction in the whole end. So, you know, another goal for us chalked up there. Um, but yeah, very, very good for McGinn. And we've said all along, we know that he's got that player in there. We know what talent he has got. The problem with John McGinn is that it's the lack of inconsistency, in, in, the lack of inconsistency, if I can get my words out, that he'll have a game like this and then have three or you four or five. mean the lack of
1: consistency? Yes. That's what I said, isn't it? Is it? the lack of inconsistency. Oh,
0: right. Sorry, yeah. The lack of consistency <laughs> or his inconsistent nature, where he'll have a game like today and then have four or five where he doesn't really do a lot. Well, he's a 6 out of 10 at best. And we want to see games like today more often. And I think, from what, and to be fair, under Gerald so far, I think he's been very good in, in Gerald's reign as a whole. Gerald will know how to get the best out of a central midfielder, just by the nature of his own career. So if he can get those performances out of McGinn more regularly, you know, I don't have to, we're going to want to sell our players. But there was a time when John McGinn was linked with massive, you know, big moves to um, Man United for 50-odd, 60-odd million. I think They're he's been linked back to against this morning. Has he? Well, there we go. No, he, he needs not, to get yeah. back to those kind of performances. Not that we do want to sell him, but, you know, there'll, there'll be a time last season when people would have said, oh, if we get 15 million for him again, that's probably a decent deal. We can get better. If he plays like he does today, he'll be at a start in that midfield for
1: a long time, hopefully. Yeah, I think there were good performances from him. I Thanks. thought Nakamba was was good again. I thought. Uh, yeah, what's happened well, to Nakamba? Well, you know.
0: Where's that player from Nakamba?
1: I don't know. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Has he been given a, a, a long enough run in the team? He's been, you know, been a bit bit stop start, hasn't he, under Smith? Um again, I think it's it's confidence and trust. Um he's he's quite uh for somebody who looks so young, he's like a baby, he's like a baby-faced warrior, isn't he? Do you know what I mean? he's he, he puts himself about and he's he's really energetic. Um I thought he was good. I thought Watkins. Despite the, I thought Watkins had two very good chances that he should have done better with with both Mm. of them. To be honest, but there was one where he took an extra touch where he probably should have shot. uh, Yeah, yeah. probably got himself, you know, walked himself into a traffic jam. I think rather than just slotting it earlier. Uh, I Suppose that's the difference. If you look at look at Harvey Barnes, the the finish that he did, just little kind of slot into the corner. Yeah, but. You know, we we we've won the game. I thought Watkins was was still very good, despite the chances. I thought, you know, outside the, the penalty area he did he got through a lot of work again. Um I don't, know, get, don't need to go through every single player, but I thought Ramsey was good was good mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, um, deserved his goal. His ghost yeah. goal.
0: Um, just going into the comments. um with a friendly five. ghost goal. <laughs> yeah, good. Uh, Tottenham away last season, uh, Tottenham at home, sorry, last season, uh, end of the season was apparently the last time we came from behind to win a game. Uh, a couple of people also mentioned Fulham and some other team, that I forgot because it was so far ago. Uh, and John McGinn did get the assist from concert's corner goal as well. So thank you very much for the comments for fact-checking our podcast. Um, two goals for Esri Concer, <laughs> the unlikely match winner. Now, the first goal, again, I didn't really celebrate the first goal too much from where I was because I thought Brendier's header was gone wide and Concer had touched it, so it might have been offside. And then the ref seemed to go over to Brendier or somebody. And I don't know what was going on, but I thought, oh, he's going to give it for him. He's, you know, he's spotted a handball or he's going to book him for something. So this is going to be disallowed. So I didn't, didn't say about the first goal too much. And it I think they go checked to it for offside.
1: They checked for, and I've just watched some of the, the, the footage back. They checked it for offside. And the commentator is saying, oh, did, um, did Konza touch it with his boot you're thinking well doesn't really matter because Leicester got a player on the line anyway why don't you just look if you pan across over there and that's when Schmeichel annoyed me again because he was in the referee's face saying, you know, claiming offside you're thinking well if you'd actually have a wider field of vision you'd see that you've got a defender on the line as well and it's just all that it's that frustration of not being able to fully lose yourself in a celebration just in case you know Schmeichel's hurt his fingernail or there's there's a phantom offside that hasn't happened and Again, listen, we've spoken about VAR enough in the last, well, in this podcast in the last <laughs> couple of years, but it really gets my goat.
0: <laughs> I feel a little bit sorry for Wendy because I think he probably would have deserved that goal. Again, I've not seen it back. I don't know whether that touch from Konza has, has actually sent it in or not. I have seen it again. I've seen one little video on Twitter. Of the slow mo replay, and I can't see it on my phone whether he's actually even barely even touched it, to be honest. So I don't know. Again, we'll go to the comments if anyone's seen it or watched it back on telly uh, today and not at Villa Park and see more replays. If Consum's touched has put it into the net, then yeah, I think actually, it's, it, going, it, anyway. it's, it's concert, going in it, anyway. But it, if it's going in anyway, I feel sorry for Brendan that he has not got, he's not got that goal from a header as well. Who would have thought it? Brendan from yeah, a header?
1: We've, we've all seen the Consum meme, haven't we, from the Watford True, game yeah. where he's, he, he was kind of crestfallen. So, um, no, it was. Um, what do you think
0: of Endier, by the way, just uh, just away from the goal and his overall performance? Are you seeing more signs from him that he's he's got that £38 million player in him?
1: I'm seeing signs. I'm not going to commit to the fact that you know should he be Villa's record transfer? Um, I think he's getting better. I think he's getting better. I think sometimes there's a tendency... It's a bit strange, this does. When he's on the ball, sometimes I think he moves too slowly with it. When he's when he receives the ball sometimes i think he tries to play too much one touch does that make sense or so, uh, mm. i think you know sometimes he can just protect the ball a bit better and just take a touch and have a look at his options i think he he likes to be given go he likes to be on the move and i think that's good you know he's this player with low center of gravity who's trying to pull defenders all over the place but there's sometimes where in his haste to to just play little flicks and and little easy you know Given goes he loses possession you thinking in any momentum we've got we've now you know you've now sacrificed it um i think and i think he's starting depending on how steven gerrard chops and changes to me he's had more of an impact in Gerard's Villa than he did with with Dean Smith's Villa, and yeah. that can't be go by by coincidence. I think he's getting better. I think there's still several notches that he can still go up before we we start to say we've we've really got value for money with him. <laughs>
0: Comments tell us that wendy's uh, effort would have hit the post, apparently, from, from oh, Sky's wow. replay, so concert's touch. However faint it was, you know, has sent it in. So, yeah, fair play to concert for a, a brace. <laughs> Again, who'd have thought that going yeah. into today? There was a status on social media before we started saying that Leicester, C- Leicester City lost an away Premier League game in which they scored first, obviously not for the first time since July 2020. Their previous 11 games where they've gone ahead away from home in the last 12, they've they've gone on to win. that's the first time. I like these little stats that we're now getting in our favour. You know, four four games ago, it was, oh, Villa have got this terrible record and Villa are breaking this kind of terrible record. You know, that was uh, Brighton hadn't lost away from home and we beat them. Palace hadn't won at home and we hadn't lost at home and we beat them. And then something about Man City and XG last game, that we stopped them making more chances than anyone else this season. And then today beating Leicester after they usually win when they go ahead. There's these nice little records that Gerald's uh, notching up a
1: Yeah, it's only a matter of time before Sky dig out the box of doom in the left-hand corner of the screen again, isn't it? When we've, you know, run a bad run or something. I mean, that, that's the interesting thing for me. I, I hope it doesn't come any time soon. But I'd like to see what, what Gerard's like, you know, when when things go against us. Oh, I said that um, on, the, on the way back. The we'll the honeymoon it. period, isn't it?
0: Yeah, before before Man City, I was interested to see how he you know his post match interview he reacted after a defeat, and I thought he, he he handled that well as well. And obviously the game was you know pretty good in that second half. And I, not that I want Villa to go and lose you know three or four in a row again, but I'd be interested to see how he does handle that because you know it's very easy to be very pro Gerard and and you know saying that you know everything he touches turns to gold. And Jason says, please don't win manager of the month. Yeah, wins manager of the month, manager of the month, and it all goes downhill. Um, yeah, I'll be interested to see how he handles a little bit of a sticky patch. But for the sake of Villa and, and his career, I don't want to go through that sticky patch to experience it, but we know it's gonna come at some point. Um, just just on Gerard and his tactics, the the lineup, your thoughts on that and his in-game substitutions to go three at the back with Tron Zabi to, to see out the game as well, which is something you don't often see.
1: Yeah, I think um the lineup again it placed a lot of trust in in Jacob Ramsey, I think, mm-hmm. to, to play in that slightly more advanced role and I think he he did it well. He's not afraid. Is he? he's not afraid to to chop. He'll chop and change things, but he'll own his decisions completely, yeah. won't he? Um, I think, yeah. He, he, we touched on it before, didn't we, about the the in-game management? I think um, he's just shrewd, just 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 smart. Um, he's clearly he's, he's clearly a deep thinker. You know, I think this is probably my naivety, to be honest. I think there's perhaps a sense that Steven Gerrard is a you know a a passion, kind of heart on the sleeve, you know, old school, you know, very combative midfielder, and that's the way he'd manage. And he kind of does when he's on the touchline. He does kind of kick every ball, but he's clearly a lot of research, a lot of de- a lot of thinking, a lot of taking the advice of the people around him. And yeah. that's you know, it's a bit of a bit of a cliche, isn't it? But I think he has learnt. I think he's, he's one of these ones who has absorbed. You know, he's worked with some really good managers. He's obviously achieved great success, but that's he seems to have absorbed it, but own it himself and, and, and know what he wants. Um, yeah, <laughs> what would you give him out of ten for the first month, Gerard? Yeah. Nine and
0: a half. Yeah, as I said at the start, I consider it a pretty much perfect start. Yeah. So, you know, perfect is 10, but I wouldn't give him a 10 because we haven't won every game. So, yeah, nine, nine and a half. I think most people would have expected to lose to Man City and that there's no great shame in that. And a 2 1 when you battle well in the second half, you definitely can't take shame in that. To win to win the other three and, you know, create loads of chances today, clean sheet in his first game, probably should have got a clean sheet against Palace, if not for that late goal as well. I don't know how anyone can say even an eight is probably the lowest I would go. I don't think how you you can go any lower than that. Like I said, pretty much perfect.
1: I think it's going to be really interesting at Anfield next week because it's going to be it's going to be so so weird for him, isn't it? Uh, and I, I, I think. think I he'll I be- don't-
0: Sorry to put in, I don't know whether this is true. I've only seen someone else say it on, on social media on the way back. That he, apparently, he was asked about Liverpool after today, which wouldn't surprise me with Sky kind of hyping it up for next week already, yeah. saying, you know, how will it feel to go back there? And he said something like, you know, he, I don't know what the phrasing was. Like, oh, I should have actually looked this up tonight so nice I'm making a fallout myself. But he kind of, so it was something like, his answer was like, no, nothing. So it was something like, where you have like any, you know, happy memories going back to Anfield or whatever? And his answer was basically, no, I'm not bothered. I'm just going there for three points with Villa. I mean, yeah. like, I suggest everyone go and find that interview to see if it's real, first of all, whatever his actual answer was. But it, it's basically, he's not going to go there for this fairy tale return, is he? You know, yes, I imagine he will clap the home fans because I think there'll be a big song and dance for him. There's people in the comments suggesting whether the Liverpool fans will boo him in the same way that we booed Grealish the, the other night. I don't think that'll happen. I think there'll be a big clap all round, big stadium announcement. Welcome back, Like They tweeted about him, didn't they, when when Villa took uh, he took the Villa job. So I think the Liverpool fans are welcoming him back. Will he clap them back? Will we? You know, will we turn our noses up if if Gerald claps the the, the Anfield uh, end? I
1: don't, know. I don't I think he will clap. But I, I, don't, I don't think, think he'll be really a mistake. Of um, I think he'll make sure he claps the away fans as yeah,
0: well. Yeah, I think he'll clap all round. But then it, it's all focused on Aston Villa to go and win the game. And yeah, we'll talk more about the Liverpool game specifically in depth, but. I almost feel like yeah, you kind of write that off in the same way you do with Man City because Man City and Liverpool are these just two elite teams, far and away better than everybody else. But
1: he, that, won't, that... he won't. It sounds obvious. It sounds they, obviously obviously obvious. they won't, won't but just go as there and lose, will
0: he? Yeah, exactly. You I he really? you want to go there to you know to prove the point. You know, not that he's going to be taking over Liverpool manager anytime soon, but it's the, the audition tape, isn't it? Go back to Liverpool and, and, and beat the home side, so. The uh, you know blind optimist in me that's getting carried away with this perfect start says let's go to Liverpool and, and get a point or three and come away and that's this massive story. So he'll be at all four going for Aston Villa getting three points. So you know whatever reception he gets from the Liverpool fans and vice
1: versa doesn't really bother me to be honest. Yeah, they don't love him as much as we do anyway, do they? I mean, what's he ever done there? (laughs) Yeah. Um, I think that's pretty
0: much everything I wanted to go over on this post-match podcast. I wrote a few notes down to make sure I didn't forget anything and we've done them all. Um, We'll do some kind of podcast maybe Monday or Tuesday with Pat, Ash, James, John, whoever's around to do a bit more of a a statistical look at at today's result and looking ahead to Liverpool as well. As always, these post-match debriefs are mine and Matt's kind of initial thoughts on the game the minute we get through the front door. And we'll do something a bit more in depth on the Carton Blue podcast show in the week. Uh, Matt, thank you very much for your time as always.
1: Just um, one thing do you like parsnips? Uh, No, not really. Why? Don't you? So I'll mame shepherd's pie, but i am having some parsnips. And I quite, I I just, I I, I don't know that again, it's like, you know, it's like pork chops or it's an old man's game,
0: parsnips.
1: Well, I I think think my dad
0: watches these. He loves a parsnip. Um, So yeah, definitely an old man thing. Big
1: shout out to Mr. R. Up the parsnips. (laughs)
0: Um, Yes, uh, Phil Horton says, Matt, when are you going on the Football Manager streams? You're not interested in the Football Manager streams? I
1: can't be doing that. Can't we do like a table football one or a (laughs) Sabutio one or something like that?
0: no we can't you'd be no good at anything like that you can barely even work a webcam never mind do anything else uh, I, I think the next that. Football Manager stream is Monday or Tuesday there'll be some kind of podcast as well on Monday or Tuesday and then they lead up to Liverpool at, back end of the week with Gerrard's press conference <clears throat> thank you very much to the fans for watching along live on the currently Podcast podcast uh, YouTube channel and thanks for rectifying uh, rectifying clarifying any uh, facts in the uh, comments as well with checking the replays and McGinn's assist it's good to have fact checkers go along live with us so thank you very much for watching matt thanks for your time as always and we'll catch you again in a day or two thank you for listening to claret and blue and aston villa podcast if you enjoyed today's episode then please do let us know we love hearing your feedback we'll be back soon with another episode but until then up the villa